You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante will be along shortly. But before you hear our live stream, which went up on Thursday afternoon, where we talk the end of the regular season, the judge history, the postseason roster questions, all that good stuff. We're going to start this episode with a conversation we had this week with John Jastrzemski, the host of the New York, New York podcast, Spotify's original presented by The Ringer. He talked to us about all things Yankees entering the postseason. He answered our roster questions. He talked about the judge chase and about the cowardly Baltimore Orioles. We recorded before he hit number 62, but folks, it doesn't change much. It's an amazing conversation. We were so glad to have John on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us again. Very shortly, we'll cut to Thomas and myself talking like we always do on the live stream. But first, without further ado, our conversation with John Jastrzemski. We are here with John Jastrzemski, host of the Spotify original podcast presented by The Ringer, New York, New York. And who better to talk to as the Aaron Judge home run chase, Yankees postseason, free agency. All this is beginning to crest. John, how you doing, man? Thanks so much for joining us. Guys, my pleasure. Love being on with you guys. Exciting time of the year. Getting ready for the postseason. Uh, watching the end of this Aaron Judge home run chase. We'll... Uh, see how long the Mets are going to be a part of the postseason and the football teams aren't then buried yet. So yeah, life is uh, life is pretty good in New York sports right about now for sure. Yeah, first time, long time. And uh, I get, I'm glad you got a lot of time to watch the Aaron Judge chase because it, it has taken a lot of time and, and we, we want to start there. Uh, this weekend, I feel like against the Orioles was really the first time it almost looked like he was under pressure. Obviously, the Red Sox series, the Jays series, he's still getting on base at a 500 clip. You know, you can't really argue with that. But this series, he's getting challenged a little more and he's still striking out. Do, do you feel like he did look like he was under a little more pressure this weekend at home? And are you worried at all about this chase being carried into October? No, I actually think maybe it's a good thing that he hasn't hit a home run in a while because maybe he's saving him for next week and the following week. Uh, when the Yankees are really going to need them. Look, I I think the difference with Judge, quite frankly, is the Red Sox games and the Blue Jay games, they're still trying to get into the postseason. You know, they're still playing, uh, you know, clinch the division and whatnot. Now, these games, let's be honest, fellas, they are taking second fiddle. The the main event is seeing if Aaron Judge is in four or five at-bats going to go and hit a home run. So, yeah, he's definitely... He's definitely pressing a little bit, but that's that's kind of human nature, right? Like when you're trying to hit a home run and, you know, the, the outcome for the team is not the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, I can totally understand that. 
Yeah, dude. And of course, speaking of that, with like, you know, with the series with the O's, the games meant nothing, right? The O's had been eliminated. Um, and then you ran into that situation with Bautista intentionally walking him. And then Yankee fans and O's fans got into it on Twitter. It was a good time. I don't know if you saw that. Um, but did you think the Orioles pitched around him? And uh, are you losing respect for pitchers who are trying to do that at this juncture, especially if they're Yeah, they're better? a little cowardly, little cowardly <laughs> with the Orioles. Not going to lie. Um, Honestly, guys, it didn't bother me too much. Like, I'm not getting too wrapped up in this stuff. Um, With the Blue Jays and with the Red Sox, it was different. Yeah. You know, the Red Sox, to their credit, went after Aaron Judge. I have no problem with that. The Blue Jays are playing for the postseason. So, you know, there was a game in which Aaron Judge in extra innings was intentionally walked. It's like, yeah, of course he was intentionally walked. Toronto's trying to win the game, for goodness sakes. These teams that got nothing to play for, though, you got to go after them. Um, Texas has so far... Baltimore did not, which was frustrating. But, yeah, you want to see him get strikes? And then hopefully we see him get this record in the next few days. Yeah, it's going to happen on the road if it happens. And now we're stuck in Texas, got this day and night doubleheader today, and then another one tomorrow. Uh, 61 on the road was still pretty meaningful, I would say. I, I hope you agree. But but does 62 on the road mean anything less to you than if he'd managed to do it at home? No, not really. I mean, a record is a record is a record, guys. So it, it would have been cool having the Yankee Stadium faithful there. You would have had a crazier ovation and whatnot. But that's the way it is. I mean, you know, you, can, you can't determine this stuff. You can't determine the script. So it's got to be deep in the heart of Texas. So be it. So be it. It is what it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're approaching the end of the regular season. This is it. This weekend's a wild card series. And now the clock's ticking. You know it's ticking, free agency's coming, we have this elephant in the room, you can't really get around it. So I wanted your opinion on, well, we wanted your opinion on this, because at the time, we thought Judge turning down that extension was a little wild, uh, because he was offered so much money, and because his track record up until that point, while good, was also limited. So at that point, when he rejected that extension, do you think he was making the right decision betting on himself? Um, and, you know, at this point, what's the range um, you're expecting for his contract to be in once the season actually ends. Well, he's going to get paid a gazillion dollars. <laughs> you know, we know he's getting a lot more than that 235. And fellas, I was right there with you. I thought it was a fair contract from the Yankees. Yeah, felt it was a good contract from the Yankees. But guess what? Aaron Judge went out. He had the best season of his career. He's been the best player in all baseball. He is the clear cut, no questions asked, American League most valuable player. So I, I think it's fair to say that he tacked on at least an additional $150 million to his deal with the way he's played. Um, I don't know how many years he's going to get. Maybe it's seven, maybe it's eight, maybe it's nine, but he's getting upwards of $40 million a year, if not more. And you know what? He deserves it. Bet on himself. Yep. Played great. Good for him. I'm never one of these guys that begrudges a player for betting on themselves and, and cashing in. Because you know the owners of these teams, uh, specifically Hal Steinbrenner and the Yankees, they have the money to spend. Yeah, and they are going to have to spend on a man who just had probably the number one contract year of all time. He's so essential to the fabric of this team, this franchise. It's going to cost them. Do you think they even have a backup plan if he leaves? If so, what is it? No, I don't. I uh, the, the Yankees have to resign Aaron Judge. Sometimes there are like, players that you can't even think about what the long-term ramifications are. You just got to bite the bullet and do it. If it means Aaron Judge ages poorly six, seven, eight years from now, so be it, guys. So be it. Like, 
Aaron Judge has to be a Yankee. That's all there is to it. He has to be a Yankee. He has to be brought back to this team. He means too much to the Yankees. The Yankees and his partnership mean a lot to him. They got to find a way to get this done. It is, guys, it is so lose-lose on both counts if Aaron Judge is not with the Yankees next season. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, he, speaking of the contract, he worked in a couple of clauses, uh, you know, in arbitration. He's got a 500K bonus if he wins AL MVP. He's got a 500K bonus if he wins World Series MVP. But another another big elephant in the room, if Shohei Otani wins MVP this year, man, will he ever not win it? What more can Judge do at this point? Yeah, he's he's winning it. He's winning it. There's, mm-hmm. there's none to discuss, guys. He's borderline triple crown. Uh, he's playing on a first-place team. He is the MVP. It, 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 no, it's, if Otani won the MVP this year, then give him the MVP for the next decade, for goodness sake. <laughs> on a team that's a 70-win team, come on, man. It's yeah. not even worth discussing. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
We'll move on because uh, we do want to talk a little playoff roster stuff with you before we let you go. Uh, the closers keep dropping. Clay Holmes is hurt, but he's not on the IL. He's supposed to come back. We don't know. Wandy Peralta is hurt. Ron Marinaccio is going to miss the DS. He's hopefully going to come back for the CS with his nagging shin stress reaction. They're going to have to mix and match a little bit. Who do you think is the Yankees' primary closer in October, and who do you trust most with the ball in the ninth inning? Um, that's a great question. I I don't have a whole lot of confidence in any of those guys in the bullpen. Um, I'm hopeful that Scott Efros can be a major answer. Trevino has shown me some positive signs. Holmes, I don't trust him. He's not the same guy he was January, uh, in April, May, and June. Chapman, forget it. I don't want to see him anywhere near the mound in a big spot. I wouldn't even put him on the playoff roster. He stinks. Uh, goodbye, good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Um, for me, though, I think you're going to see, guys, situations where starting pitchers, like the Red Sox in 2018 did with Ovaldi and with Chris Sale and yeah. uh, with David Price and the Nationals did the following year with Patrick Corbin. I think you're going to see the Yankees do that a lot with their starting pitchers. If that means Garrett Cole on a throw day, so be it. If that means Nesta Cortez on a throw day, so be it. You got to get creative. I think that is going to be the path for the Yankees. Um, I feel really good about where the rotation is. It kind of speaks volumes about Nestor and Sebi that I probably would rank Garrett Cole third amongst their starters right about now because I got more confidence in Nestor, and I think I have more confidence in Sebi. But this bullpen for the Yankees is as weak as it's been going into a postseason in a long, long time. Yeah, man, it's tough to discuss, and these injuries are piling up at a bad time. You have a lot of guys who may or may not be getting back into rhythm right when you know, right when the playoffs are about to start. But there are a few guys on the men. A couple of guys returned over the last week or so. Um, so, which injured player do you think will help the team most if they're able to get back to full strength by October 11th? You know, that's a great question. I think it's DJ Lemayu. Yeah, because of his positional versatility, mm -hmm. his clutch hitting ability. Um, he's played in the postseason. He's thrived in the postseason. Uh, and maybe that puts somebody like Josh Donaldson on the bench. You know, I thought the answer would be Ben Benintendi, guys. Yeah. But with the way Waldo is playing, I want his Waldo Cabrera in the lineup. He's the I man. mean, how do, you, how do you bench that kid right now? He's red hot. He's done everything the Yankees have asked him to do. Um, and Benintendi's coming back off a fracture. Like, you want to tell me Benintendi in a championship series is a factor for the Yankees? Sure. I think in game one of the playoffs next week, as Waldo Cabrera is your starting left fielder. That's my – I think your outfield is Cabrera, ben, uh, Cabrera, Bader, and Judge. That's your outfield. Yep. Yeah, and I don't know how you mess with it. It's working. Same with the judge leadoff. It, you know, are, aren't you seeing enough evidence that Oswaldo yeah, has to I play like every judge. day? I would keep him in that spot because you want to know why? I know I'm getting the most possible at bats out of him. Mm -hmm. And then I go, boom. I go, judge. I go, Rizzo. And I know he's missing some time right now because he's got some flu-like symptoms. Gleyber Torres has been red hot in September. Yep. So I would stick with those guys one, two, three. You put Stan in the four spot. And I think Carpenter coming off the bench could be a monumental weapon for them, for IKF and for Trevino late in games. You're going to see Carpenter have a moment or two for this team. I completely agreed, uh, and he's definitely on my bench in, in my latest projection, but that might change tomorrow. You don't know. Um, the one other guy who we're seeing a lot from today, and every time he starts, is Oswald Peraza. 
but it doesn't feel like there's room for him and they're still pretty committed to IKF. Would you have liked to have seen more of him down the stretch or are you sort of satisfied with the way this is all shaken out? No, I'm with you. I am not an IKF guy. I think his defense is very overrated. All right, he puts the ball in play. I like that on a team that has some swing and miss, but he doesn't hit for any power. I thought there was an opportunity to play Peraza throughout the month of September. And it feels like, guys, anytime they put him in a lineup, he hits. I'm watching the game right now. He hit his first big league home run. Um, I don't think he ends up on the playoff roster, but I think the Yankees dropped the ball on that, quite frankly. Yeah, we were talking about that for a while because, you know, the injection of youth just does so much for the team. You're talking about Oswaldo, who's playing, you know, five different positions, succeeding the way he is. Um, so we'll end, we'll end on a high note here, JJ, because uh, we want the good vibes rolling into the playoffs, don't we? Um, we want to know specifically because we know you're tuned into the Yankees as, as, as good as anybody. Who's been the biggest surprise for you this season? And who do you think is going to, who do you think will either, you know, parlay that success or will there be another person who will surprise us um, in the playoffs? That's a great question. I, I think the biggest surprise for me has got to be Jose Trevino behind the plate. Yeah. Because the Yankees had no idea what they were getting in the catcher's spot. I know Higgy has hit in September, but a lot of people thought Kyle Higashioka was going to be the starting catcher when they traded away Sanchez. Uh, but Trevino has been brilliant handling the pitching staff. You don't have to worry about his defense. He's had a lot of clutch hits for this team. Um, Nestor's been great. I got news for you, though, guys. I thought Nestor was going to be really good. I didn't think he'd be this good. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think he'd be this good. But he was so terrific down the stretch of last year that I thought he'd be a reliable contributor within this rotation. I mean, the fact now that I trust him more than any other Yankee starter, I guess, is a surprise. But I think up and down the lineup, what they have gotten from Trevino behind the plate, that's got to be my biggest surprise. Totally agreed. John Dostremski, thanks so much for talking to us. Glad we got to do this. Glad we got to do it now and not during a September collapse. Uh, this felt much better. Uh, looking forward to listening to New York, New York, all playoffs long, man. Hey, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of content, gentlemen. Every day we're going to be doing something special. So hopefully an extended, extended month of October. Appreciate you. Thank you. Love it, man. Thank you. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Man, when we clinched last Tuesday, it felt so good to have a week of meaningless baseball ahead of us. Just kick your feet up. No need to stress about anything. Well, that meaningless baseball got old real fast. Eight games that did not matter at all was a really dull way to end the regular season, and it focused everybody's energy on the Aaron Judge chase, and it made 61 and 62 especially feel interminable. The Baltimore Orioles fans were sobbing. College football fans were crying, screaming, throwing up. But Judge did it in game 161 of the season in the second game of a doubleheader, and he got to sit out basically the remainder of that game and Wednesday's extremely boring action for the Aggies to finish predictably with 99 wins. Everybody with a brain and a knowledge of the way that the baseball gods work could have seen that one coming. 99 wins, pretty impressive. And it's over, and the season is done with, and the history has been accomplished, and Garrett Cole has the all-time single-season Yankee strikeout record, and Ron Guidry gave him a call, and now it's time for the postseason. The wildcard round starts tomorrow. We ain't in it, but we do have to figure out a roster for the ALDS. We're going to be talking about the history the judge made. 
We're going to be talking about the Yankees finish. Not sure what we can glean from the last couple of meaningless games, except for a couple of really obvious things that we already know the Yankees aren't going to apply this season, but we learned them. We know they learned them. We know you learned them. Yankees, don't tell us you didn't learn these things. Uh, we're going to go through our ALDS roster questions one more time. Presumably we'll get that roster, I don't know, next week. When are we going to get game times for the ALDS? I would love all of this information. And a couple of uh, wet willies to throw out to uh, the Minnesota Twins social staff and Marcus Stroman, a couple of folks that uh, I don't really know why they're getting involved in this situation, but it's making Matt Carpenter pretty <laughs> nauseous. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us those mailbag questions. We would more than love to help you uh, answer your cues. We're, we're here. We're available for you. Baseball is uh, reaching its apex. The trade deadline, fun. Winter meetings, sure. The postseason, it's the point of the whole thing. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, the wild card series begins tomorrow, and coincidentally, the flags that indicate a Red Sox championship appear to have been removed from every logo. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. How Every single one from wild card up until World Series? Probably not, and I've definitely seen them on like some clinch graphics and stuff, but I did check the uh, AL wild card because the first time I saw them not being used was in the NL wild card bumper in St. Louis, uh, and they're also not on the board in Toronto for the uh, Toronto-Seattle series. So how about that? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, this is what it's all about. It's what we wait for. It's what we wait for the flags. The flags is what it's all about. If we didn't, if we didn't have the flags, we have nothing to talk about. Um, October baseball. This is what we wait the entire year for. This is what we're talking about in March, every single year. The luxury for us Yankee fans. I know it's not the same case for other fan bases, like for example the Boston Red Sox. Um, you know, finishing in last place in the division five out of the last uh, eleven years. Gosh, uh, pretty tough stuff. Um, and then they might see a franchise icon in Xander Bogarts walk this offseason. Oh, um, no. You just look at it, and uh, at the end of the day, yeah, Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009. Pressure's been boiling over for at least five years now. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? We're here, and we, we give ourselves a chance almost every single year. So um, there's something to appreciate there. And this season was especially um, – uh, satisfying because you had Aaron Judge uh, chasing history. Um, for the most part, you had the Yankees making the right-ish moves, right? Get rid of Joey Gallo. If he was still on this team, God, I don't even know what would be happening. Good um, Lord. Trade deadline wasn't the greatest, but you know what? The Yankees traded prospects that they necessarily didn't need, um, and I think Brian Cashman is being a bit validated on that front up until Weird. this point with a lot of the guys who are underperforming that have been, that were dealt with the exception, I think Hayden Wesneski, who's uh, appearing to be some sort of a cornerstone for the Cubs. But again, a guy we didn't need right now. Um, so uh, the calculated efforts at the trade deadline, I think were, you know, give them a B, B plus maybe if you're, uh, you know, if we, if it depends on what happens in the postseason. Um, and uh, now we head to the playoffs. I think, and I don't think I don't, I'm not afraid to eat my words here. I think we have a favorable first round matchup, regardless of who the opponent is. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you guys out there. I'm not terribly scared of the Rays this year. Um, I think their brand of baseball uh, still exists. It's not at the height of its powers in 2022. Um, the Yankees have relatively taken care of business against them uh, this year. Um, so I, I'm not 
I'm not concerned about potentially facing them. I'm not overlooking anybody. I'm taking every game. I'm I am not I am not surprised in one bit if the ALDS goes to five games. But no. I think if there's anybody you want to face in the first round, you don't want to face the Mariners. That fan base is fucking electric right now. They haven't made the playoffs in 20 years, 20 plus years. They're back. Yeah. Somebody, somebody very astutely, I saw a tweet that was like, now that our oldest Chapman's probably working his way onto the playoff roster, pick the person most likely to hit the back-breaking home run off our oldest Chapman this year. And somebody said Mitch Hanniger. And I like, how is it not Mitch Hanniger? Like outside of <laughs> outside of the Astros guys. And like, of yeah. course, Altuve Bregman. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. But yeah. like of, of the new blood, it's got to be Hanniger. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, or Julio. I feel like Julio would just fucking tattoo one off. Yeah, him. a right a right hander yeah. on the Mariners is the answer. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to do the West Coast travel, if I'm being totally honest, too. I don't want to have to do that in the ALDS, and we don't have to at this moment. Um, it's going to be East Coast. It's not going to be very far. Yep. Um, and I don't want to face the Blue Jays until the ALCS, if you don't mind me saying that either. I don't mind, no. I think a five-game series with them is fairly dangerous. They have a high-powered offense. They have – they have three starters who can win playoff games. Um, so I think the matchup here for us is favorable. However, there's stuff to sort out. There's still problems with our roster. Um, but the difference between this year's Yankees and last year's Yankees, only seven games, but it feels like 20 because I feel like the 92-win team last year should have lost more games. The, some of the have, games, shouldn't have made the playoffs last have made, year. Like some of the games they won, you're like, that wasn't even enjoyable because we should have lost. What I, mean, I was I was actually thinking about this this morning just because it's been a literal year since I've thought about last year's Yankees and who could possibly care about them. But if they don't – like I don't even think I realized the gravity at the time. If they don't walk off the Rays in the last game of the season, the Red Sox came back from four runs down in the seventh against the Nats. If we don't win that game one nothing, the Sox and Jays both make the playoffs – and the Red Sox have an all-time comeback to thank for it, where they're basically dead in the seventh and they rally back. That's awful. I'd rather have what happened happen, but that Yankees team was yeah. this close to flaming out before the playoffs even started. And yeah. the wild card is, is also not real. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and I think the culture's changed here. I think that's been a big part of it. Um, you see a difference in energy. You see a difference in camaraderie. I don't know. I don't know what the change there has been, but – I think that's part of the I think that's part of the seven game swing and seven games is a big difference. You know, low 90s team is different than high 90s team. It just is. Um, so this team has the right momentum. I think it has the right mojo still. You know, it's it, it's it, it dealt with the necessary pressures and um, succeeded through those necessary pressures. Right. So it's not the greatest, but they staved off a 15 game collapse and they didn't collapse and some other teams collapsed. Judge sat there waiting, you know, Judge sat there, Judge every Aaron Judge at bat for over two weeks um, in the in the finale of the regular season was highly publicized. There was a microscope on this team for over two weeks to end the season, and Aaron Judge triumphed to get the record, the AL record. Um, so I think that's another factor that has this team maybe a little bit more eased heading into the playoffs, whereas last year it was like, okay, we limped in, we underachieved, um, but now we're here and we have a good roster. So, like, let's just get the job done. But also, like, Garrett Cole has to win in Fenway. And, you know, we can't get off. The offense needs to start off hot or else we're going to put ourselves in a hole and then the game's over. This year, I don't feel like it's like that. I think there are other minute problems that we're obviously going to sort out when we talk about the roster. But general, generally, the energy, um, the manner in which this team has overcome 
a certain amount of things and not really back down, punch back in a number of other scenarios where 2021 team, 2020 team, even the 2018, 2019 teams that fell short in the playoffs, like probably wouldn't have done. Um, I I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better than I have in quite a while. Yeah. And I can't look, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee you and, and, and shake your hand and say, yeah, of course we're going to beat the Rays or the, you know, guardians in the first series. Um, but it is a more favorable matchup. It's certainly, if you could pick the two teams you'd want to face out of these four, those would be one and two in some order. I, I would rather face the Rays, although I don't want to go to the trop. The guardians are young and hungry and their pitching is better. Glass now is a little like, suspect i don't know how much he can give you i don't know how deep he's going to go in these starts mcclanahan's been struggling down the stretch i think i'd rather face the rays by a little bit but i'd rather face both the guardians and rays significantly over the jays and mariners and again none of this is to say the yankees cannot lose to these teams it's just an objective order of preference they could absolutely lose to these teams i would pick them over all four of those teams if confronted with it but i would really struggle with the jays and I think I would pick the Yankees over all four teams, but the Jays, I would go back and forth and say Yankees in five, and it would be a bloodbath. Uh, there are certainly outcomes where the Yankees lose the DS to either of these teams, but these are probably um, uh, the the ones that the, the highest amount of experts are going to pick the Yankees to win. Uh, again, not determinative, but true. And the benefit of not being stuck in a winner-take-all from game one is so unbelievably helpful. It's been a long time since we've experienced this last year, we were stuck in a wild card game. 2020 was a crazy playoffs where nobody was in the building. We're on the road for every game. Yankees aren't in Yankee stadium for even one second. The second round's in, you know, we, we survived that best two out of three thing. And we went to uh, California to play a regulation division series, but not at home. Uh, been since 2019 that we've done anything resembling being in the division series without having to cross some bridge first and uh, 2018 wildcard game 2017 wildcard game 2015 wildcard game 16 14 13 no playoffs like this is not easy it, it's been a long time since we've been able to walk into a game one at home and know that it is not going to be the absolute end of the world the Yankees really should Spoil- breaking news, spoiler alert, breaking. Uh, the Yankees should try to win game one of the ALDS. I think that'd be very helpful if they did that. I think it'd be fucking great if they did that. Um, but you're you're not eliminated if you lose. No. The number of times the Yankees have won game one and lost a series, I don't need to tell you. The number of times the Yankees have lost game one and won a series, pretty much every time they faced the Twins back in the day, um, you know, 03, 04, I believe they lost game one of both of those DSs. 06 against the Tigers, they won game one, lost three in a row. Uh, 0, uh, 02 against the Angels, they won game one, lost out basically. Lost in either four, five, 05, they lost in five. Uh, 02, they lost in four. So, like, there are plenty of examples of the Yankees winning game one at home and gagging the series. There are plenty of examples of the Yankees losing game one at home, rebounding to win the series. I wouldn't put anything past this team. Uh, but it, it, you know, we'll still be on tenterhooks, but we'll be learning something about their playoff fate in game one rather than living and dying with every single pitch or having to pull the starter after four batters like Luis Severino in the wildcard game where we just can't afford him to soak up any more innings. Yeah, or it just comes down to the fact game one, right, is going to be Garrett Cole. Likely. That's what Aaron Boone said. I know we are I know we can have a nuanced conversation about why Nestor Cortez might be the better starter for game one. Um, but let's sit here and let's assume that it's going to be Garrett Cole because it probably is going to be. These are the decisions yeah. the Yankees make. 
by the book, 324 million guy. They're not going to de-emphasize him. They're not going to, they're not going to do anything to kind of uh, um, knock down his stature. Um, that's, that's the Yankees way. So if it's Garrett Cole, you want to win the Garrett Cole game because the Garrett Cole discourse is exhausting and you don't want to be online having to defend Garrett Cole. I don't want to be on here having to defend Garrett Cole. Um, I also don't want to have to be here criticizing Garrett Cole for, you know, maybe um, not getting the job done in game one. Uh, and, uh, you know, history shows he's better in um, game twos and threes and fives um, that are non-elimination. And I, we did a, I did a little look in because – a lot of people are talking about Nestor um, and Garrett Cole is, you know, Garrett Cole famously does better when he's not asked to shoulder the load. And it was mm-hmm. evidence during his time in uh, Houston uh, behind Justin Verlander and there's validity to it, but his role has changed and it's different in New York now. And, you know, you just want to win the game one because that's supposed to be your guy. That's supposed to be, that is the highest paid pitcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. So you want to avoid, all of that discourse, and you want to just, you know, you want to be, the, again, Rays and Guardians, I'm not scared of them. I'm also not overlooking them. They are league average offenses. I think it's like 4.2 runs per game. Right in the middle, smack dab in the middle, between 16 and 18. Garrett Cole should be able to handle that. Some of Cole's best starts this year under high pressure were against the Rays, too, and last year. Yeah. Went to the drop and delivered. That That's one thing he seems to have mastered pretty consistently. Yeah. Um, and look, I have no problem with losing. I have no problem with losing game one in general. Like you said, the team historically has shown a, a pension for bouncing back. But um, I think the narrative and all that surrounding this, the mod, this modern day version of the Yankees is different. I think the pressure is more so on when this team loses than more than in years past. I think there was maybe a uh, you know, 20 plus years ago, there was more of a, oh, it's the Yankees. Like, they're going to come back from this. Don't worry about it. Now it's like, oh, it's the Yankees. They're choking again, or we got to do this again. Um, so that's why you want to get off to a nice start. It's not always linear. It doesn't work like that, but um, it'd be important. It'd be important to do it. Um, it would put Nestor Cortez in a good spot. It would put Luis Severino in a good spot. You want to, again, this team has shown an ability to take the pressure off in unique ways. Um, it wasn't like last year where every swing of the bat mattered, where every Joey Gallo at bat was, you know, was like, is this guy going to homer now? Is this guy going to do something? Everything's been a little bit more, um, you know, taken off center stage. And that's what this team has to continue to do. They have to help each other out. They have to make it easier on one another. Um, and Aaron judge played a big role in doing that, delivering history. Um, and I think that was a big weight lifted off the rest of the team, and they just have to continue doing that heading into the postseason. It's going to be a totally different feel. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going in here with a defeatist attitude either. Yeah. Like just saying that, like game one. Oh, you can lose game one. Like, no, I don't yeah. want to lose game one. I want to no. win game one. I want to sweep series. I want to go up 2-0, send Luis Severino on the road. Like these are the luxuries the Yankees have now uh, against no matter who they play. But it, the Guardians are raised in round one. They've got the offensive advantage. They've got the home field advantage and their rotation could stack up with either of those two teams in the past. It's been, how are they going to hit? Like, how are they going to out hit the Rays pitching advantage? Cause the Rays yeah. have class. Now the Rays have uh Blake Snell, like the Rays are sending an all-star at you every game and the Yankees are going oh, with Jay Happ and Jay Happ and Davey Garcia in the second game, you know, mix and match flip them up. Now the Yankees have probably Garrett Cole in game one, 
Nestor Cortez, an all-star who finished stronger than Garrett Cole in game two. Luis Severino, who's coming off a seven-inning no-hitter, throwing 100 miles an hour as fast as average velocity since 2018 in game three. Game four, Jameson Tyone, who's been nothing but a bulldog in his Yankees career and is starting game four. Or if you don't want to do that, you can go with Cole and Nestor in four and five. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. Like that, The reason we're advocating for Cole in two is because that's the way the schedule maps out, where – if you go one, you can pitch four on full rest because the off days are weird. If you go two, you can pitch five on short rest. But you, you're not. If you go two, you're not getting full rest. Game one does afford somebody full rest. So prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Who do you want on full rest? Nestor with his... 93 94 mile an hour fastball and someone who relies entirely not entirely but 70 percent on command yeah. or Cole, who's going to have a 98 mile an hour fastball no matter what command might be a little off on short rest but he's not losing that velocity so i like cole in two and five both home games i like nestor in one and four on full rest both times it's not up to me but it's not like the yankees are in disaster mode here where they need to pick one of those two things and either way they're going to be given a start to domingo herman or given a start to clark schmidt they have it all set up where there are four competent starters entering any of these playoff series. And it's great. And I think that's one of the few things we don't have to question. We don't have to question that. We don't really have to question the top of the lineup. Um, honestly, don't even have to question the bottom of the lineup. Like, it is what it is. You got yeah. – it's it's fine. The lineup in totality, it's fine. The bullpen is an issue. And then the bench. What's the bench going to look like? The bullpen is crazy to me. Um, people are, I saw, did you see the thing from the athletic today? It was like uh, the, the Chapman thing. Yeah, where it was like Aaron judges home run race masked the Yankees deficiency. It's like, it didn't mask. I mean, no. you, you know what? 
to the general public, maybe. I, I do understand that, too. People who watch the Yankees, no, the bullpen's fucking awful. But then again, the bullpen, the bullpen was the Yankees' biggest strength for how many postseasons in a row and how many postseasons did did it let them down? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying reverse psychology this shit and be like, oh, well, it sucks now. Maybe it'll just be, maybe it'll be fucking nails when when, uh, October 11th rolls around. Um, But as long as there's some order of operations there that makes sense and you're not putting people like Aroldis Chapman in high profile situations, um, you're not putting Miguel Castro in high profile situations. And I know, look, every inning in the postseason is elevated inherently every out matters, but eighth, ninth inning, different story, even seventh inning, different story. How many, how many, Innings did we? See, how many non eighth or ninth innings did we see Andrew Miller pitch in the 2016-2017 playoffs? Yeah. Um, so I think this postseason, you know, with with all the questions which we'll we can get into now, is going to be a testament to Aaron Boone. How well can he manage these guys? How well can he put them in the positions that they need to be in to succeed? Um, because you don't have a shutdown guy here. You have guys who are injured who are going to be coming back without the rhythm that they need to be in. You have guys who are just inherently inconsistent. You have just guys who are not good. So it's tough. It's going to be difficult. We need to figure out these bullpen roles, but I'm less nervous than you on a player to player basis. I'm just more nervous about the fact that there wasn't a closer here before people started getting hurt and there's still not a closer here. Like Clay Holmes was the closer (laughs) in early July and that was great. Clay Holmes was the closer in June and July. Hasn't been the closer since then. Shoulder barking, haven't heard anything about that in a week, right? It, it was like post-clinch, they told us. Like, oh, by the way, Clay Holmes hasn't pitched in a while because his shoulder hurts. Great, helpful stuff. Um, they hope he's going to make the ALDS roster. They hoped Ron Marinaccio was going to make it too, and he didn't. So I don't. I didn't have that much faith in him before, and I still don't because no one's telling me if he's healthy or not. Uh, Jonathan Loizaga. Don't know much about closer Jonathan Loizaga. Like him, like him with somebody backing him up and somebody backing him up who I have more faith in than Clark Schmidt. Wandy Peralta is a really effective backup guy. I love knowing I have him if things go wrong. I don't know if I have him. He's also hurt. He's at the alternate site right now with Matt Carpenter. Trevino, trustworthy to me. Scott Efros, trustworthy to me and maybe my leading option to be a mix and match closer right now, but not a closer. Neither of those guys are closers. Uh, I think all of these people can get out. There's nobody we're putting in, like Chapman's not coming into a close game. He's coming into a blowout or he's trying to save innings. Or he's not making the roster. I still don't know. Miguel Castro might make it over him. But there's no gas can. There's nobody I have an October history with, really, where it's like, oh, they're bringing in a guy who's failed 80% of the time in my mind. Can't wait. Like Zach Britton, I had to gut through. Chad Green in 2021, I had to gut through. There's nobody like that. I trust all these people to get outs, but I don't trust any of them to be a closer, which is a problem. And down the stretch, did the Yankees really figure that out? They gave a lot of opportunities to Efros. He succeeded every time. He put traffic on the bases. Uh, he was not locked down. He was he, he got the job done. Loizaga got out of a save opportunity against the Rangers because the runner on second just ran off into no man's land with two outs on an easy fly ball to right. And he got him out at second. Like that didn't teach me much of anything. The leadoff man at the bottom of the order got up and stole second. And the tying run was in scoring position and just ran himself out of it. So I wish I would have learned more about who is, you know, obviously the full seasons for that, but I didn't really learn anything about who can be a closer for this team. 
Yeah, the only positive here is that I think all of these guys pretty much have shown some ability to varying degrees to pitch in and out of trouble. So, and that's the definition of the postseason. You're hardly going to get shutdown innings from, you know, your entire bullpen. So as long as these guys have uh, felt the pressure with traffic on the bases um, in uh, tight games during the regular season, um, I think that human element of it should translate well into the postseason. Um, but you just don't know. You don't know, and this is the biggest question mark, and that's why the reliance on the starters will be the most important because you're going to need six innings from most of these guys. And I don't think that's even crazy to ask. Eric Cole should give you six. I know he probably won't, but he should give you six. Nestor Cortez, I think, should give you six. Luis Severino has been has come off the IL and has shown he can clearly give you six. Jamison Tyone, not overly – Confident in him twirling a shutout, but has given length most of the year. Most Mm -hmm. starts in the entire league of three or fewer runs. So I know like that's not really a stat, but most, most of those are quality starts. And that's what you need from a number four starter in the postseason, a quality start in which they're eating innings. So you're not putting more pressure on the bullpen. Um, And once again, I think this first round matchup helps because you're facing league average offenses um, you have a couple guys you could pitch around in those offenses who are good and then not have to hurt yourself with the rest of the lineup. Um, and that'll help the tra- the, uh, the usage of the guys in the bullpen who are already worn down. Um, aside from that, I don't know what's the bench going to look like. Still trying to think about this. Um, if Carpenter's healthy, he's here. What's DJ LeMahieu's role going to be? Um, is Aaron Hicks going to be here? Uh, is Tim LaCastro going to be here? Um, should Oswald, Oswald Peraza be here? Like there's a lot, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be figured out. And I don't really know. I don't have any answers. I don't even have a hunch. I don't really have a hunch for any of this. Um, I, I would, if I was the Yankees, the only thing that I would do to get creative is I would include Oswald Peraza. Why? Because he mm-hmm. could play shortstop and you have a true backup shortstop. And why can't he pinch run? Why can't he be LaCastro? He stole 30 fucking five bases in AAA. He can run. There is, I know he's maybe he's not, he's maybe not as fast or he's not as specialized a runner as LaCastro is. Um, but as long as the Yankees can keep using Oswaldo Cabrera in a versatile manner and Giancarlo Stanton can play a couple games per series in the outfield, which I don't think is insane to ask, you got the versatility there that's needed. Um, and then you can move IKF to another position if you want, um, or he can go to the bench and be the pinch runner. He's a fast guy, stole 22 bases this year. So that was that would be the that would be the kind of that would I think be a game changing move the Yankees could make, leaving Oswald Peraza on the bench. Um, and then hey, maybe IKF has a really bad ALDS, and it nearly cost the Yankees in some games. And then there's a coming to Jesus moment with Aaron Boone. He's like, you know what? Peraza for the ALCS if if it gets to that point. So um, I don't know what it's really going to look like, but I think they have to make a move of that caliber. The Peraza thing is interesting because we're all pre-mad at them not including him on the roster, right? We're all like, oh, my yeah. God, he was right in front of them all along, and he played, you know, he had a 140 WRC plus in September. He hit every time they let him play. Like, why is he on the team? He's probably not going to make the roster. But then again, he started at shortstop a lot down the stretch. Yeah. Like, they, they didn't give him the opportunity 
pre-clinch as much as they should have. But post-clinch, it was like almost every day mm-hmm. Oswald Peraza was in there. Manager Anthony Rizzo batted him cleanup. Like, maybe we're not giving the Yankees enough credit here. Maybe they were taking a look at him, and maybe they're going to use him. Uh, because DJ LeMahieu, <coughs> uh, it's almost unfathomable that you wouldn't include a healthy DJ LeMahieu on the roster, but we don't have that. He's not healthy. Yeah. He went four for 16 in five games since coming back. He was still drilling the ball into the ground. Those were all singles. Um, you know, veteran leadership, I think he only struck out once. Still putting bat on ball. He's going to give you a better at bat than Marwin Gonzalez. I still think he probably does get carried, but he didn't exactly show you that he's ready to be someone who plays every day. And perhaps more worrisome, Josh Donaldson has been awful since the point of the season when everybody sort of said he, we accepted he turned it around, but then he didn't while nobody was paying attention. He's hitting 191 in his last 11 games with eight hits, only one for extra bases. It was a double. Uh, last five games, he's two for 20, uh, with that double congrats. I mean, he has not been, uh, the Josh Donaldson that we saw in August and early September lately. Um, I've got a pet theory. He's been hurt all year. I guess we'll find out about that whenever the season ends. Uh, but his defense has been spectacular. His offense hasn't really been there yet. So if you've got Donaldson, great defense, subpar offense, IKF, moderate defense his offense in september was better but he is what he is dj lemayhu hitting ground ball after ground ball and maybe being someone you don't even put on the playoff roster then peraza becomes much more attractive and if you're able to welcome andrew benintendi back and he shoves oswaldo cabrera into the infield that gets even more complicated because you can't really in good conscience not start oswaldo cabrera who's like a hundred 10 OPS plus guy who plays multiple positions does everything Marwan Gonzalez should have and has been on fire lately and has sparked this team plenty of times in games where they've just sort of been in a slumber. Um, Right now it's easy because he's your starting left fielder. Oh, so easy. A position he's never played in his life. He's the starting left fielder in the playoffs. Oh, so simple. Very easy. But if Andrew Benintendi, your big trade acquisition comes back and is ready to play left field, you're putting Oswaldo Cabrera at short. You put him in second. You're DHing Torres. You're benching Stanton. What, What are you doing? I can't see Benintendi being on this roster, even if he's healthy. There is not, not on the DS, but if they win this series and move on, I don't even see it on the ALCS. Where is he getting reps to get back up to speed? He's just going to fa- He's just going to start facing the best competition and maybe leading off. Maybe batting. Like, wh- where is he batting? Where are you putting him at the end at the bottom of the lineup? Uh, it depends how he's used. I don't know how. The, and the, again, he's not on the team next year, so. Mm-hmm. There's no value in playing Andrew Benintendi anymore. This team has been uh, playing actually the best without Andrew Benintendi. Since Benintendi arrived in New York, it's been the worst stretch of baseball. And then he went down and it was still bad. And then they finally turned it around. So I don't even think I bring him back. Um, And I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but um, you got to ride the hot hands in the playoffs. You can't introduce cold people. And that's why the issue of DJ LeMay, who was nuanced and complicated because I love DJ LeMayhew. I think he's exact. He's a prototypical baseball player and exactly the type of guy you want on your team. Versatile defensively, hits for contact, can also hit for power. Um, but if he's not healthy, he is not. He's not useful. He is not going to have the range in the field to fill in the positions that you're going to need him to, and he's not going to get the pop in the batter's box, which makes him a successful hitter. So, is it an insult to him if he's left off? I don't know. Does that does that kind of screw up the dynamic? I don't know. Depends what these conversations are, but at this point, that's why I'm probably maybe 
keeping Peraza, um, uh, bringing in Carpenter, who I think would just be more useful, even though if he's not fully healthy, um, it's a lefty bat. It's a lefty power bat. Um, and he got the rest. DJ did not. Um, uh, and you obviously have Higashioka who has to be on the roster uh, on the bench. So that's, that's three. And yeah. then you're, I don't know after that, I really don't, I don't know. I don't know who else you consider. Does, does Aaron Hicks stay? I mean, I really don't know. It's I don't looking, want that. I don't want it either, but it's looking like he might. Um, does Marwin stay? I don't think Marwin stays if you have Oswaldo. Um, I think I, there's an argument. There's an argument for everybody here because no one's been ruled out yet. Yeah. Of the roster, we're just sitting here and saying, "Oh, you know, th- this person's not going to stay." But like, there there are possibilities. They have they have to hold on. Thirteen guys right now in the active. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. There's fourteen. So someone has to go. And in that world, we're assuming it's Oswald Peraza, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Carpenter coming back, so that fills in that kicks somebody else off the roster. Um, so then that, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I would get creative here. There was a time when we would have said like Lucas Lifke maybe wasn't going to make the roster though, yeah. right? Like this conversation, like he's been safe in these roster talks for several weeks now, but there was definitely a time in the middle of the summer where people thought like. Probably it's tough to lose him, but probably not gonna make the playoff roster. Probably not somebody who they, you know, they're not gonna explore a future with. So maybe a trade deadline guy. Like if they hadn't gotten quote unquote lucky with some injuries, they were gonna have to clear out some roster spots. People were like, Well, Licky's probably not gonna survive to the end of the year. And so are you really gonna use him in the postseason? And like maybe a DFA wouldn't hurt that much. And now we're all like, Well, he's in. We sure he's in. You don't want to take our oldest Chapman and Miguel Castro. You don't want to take. <laughs> you don't want to take Miguel Castro and Greg Weiser, who has been, uh, you know, his debut. And I understand why you might not want to throw him into the playoff fire because uh, the first time we saw him take on a higher pressure situation, he hit two Oakland Athletics in his MLB debut. Yeah. But in his last seven games, four and two thirds innings, one point nine three ERA, zero point eight six WHIP. Like <laughs> since those early. Uh, late August, early September jitters. He's been much better. They called him up. He protected a one-run lead the other day. Doesn't feel like he's even in the conversation, but maybe he is. Like, what does Lucas Lipke Lipke do? Put put guys on base and induce soft contact, and and I think he probably makes the roster, but what scenario do you actually see him in that Domingo Herman wouldn't be a better fit? you know, or one of the high leverage guys. Like if you're carrying Herman as a long reliever, is Licky going to be called to do lefty lefty work? Cause he's still going to face three guys and he's not really a lefty specialist. So I, there's a lot more up in the air than we're even giving it credit for here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was mostly talking position guys, because once again, I don't, I don't view any bullpen uh, situation as superior to the other, even though weissert has been pitching well, never pitched in the postseason. It's not going to happen. Don't know. Just, yeah. I, I'm not ruling anything out. I think that at this point, the Yankees kind of know that they can't continue to go by the book. I hope that. I don't know why I've tricked myself into thinking that, but I kind of think that. I kind of think they need to know, like, now is – it's the time for elevated thinking. It's the time to go beyond. Go beyond the uh, 
go beyond what's in front of your face and start, you know, uh, dialing into the human element of the game and ride with the guys who have gotten you through the last six weeks of the season. Um, and, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, Judge helped the Yankees get through the season in a big way. He's most of our MVPs. Uh, broke the AL single season home run record on Tuesday with the 62nd blast of the season. Um, we have to mention it. We simply have to talk. We about do. It. We do. 37 minutes without talking about the thing that everybody's tired of hearing Yankee fans and everybody else talk about, and we have to talk about it because it's history. Sorry, it is. Sorry. Um, yeah, it just, a wild achievement. Um, and came what four batting points, uh, batting average points uh, away from the triple crown. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the record books and was forced to gut out. If it wasn't for this record, he would have gotten more rest. He was forced to gut out all these at bats for the name of history, for publicity, for profit. You know, I mean, obviously for his own personal gain, I'm sure he wanted to do it, but mm-hmm. in an ideal world, he would have rested another three, four games down the stretch. Um, they would have got him. He played 100 and what 58 games this year. He only missed four or five games of 157. Um, it's the most, you know, it's, I think that's the most he's ever played. I think he did match that from 2017. Um, a lot of wear and tear on his body this year, played a ton of center field was batting lead off for the final, what fucking 25 games of the season. Uh, he's getting more at bats. He's running more, um, and uh, you just can't deny his offensive impact. Uh, he has an over. He finished the season with an over a ten WAR. Um, he was first in Major League Baseball, not just AL. First in Major League Baseball in every major offensive category, and finished fifth in Major League Baseball on average. Um, so uh, we're gonna hear all the we're gonna hear all the MVP arguments as as the offseason progresses. Um, can't wait for that one judge strikeout in the postseason for Twitter to just start, you know, doing its thing, claiming that he's uh, that he uh, he wrote a hot regular season and is in the history books. And, oh, this is your MVP swinging over sliders. Yeah, I could see it fucking happening. Hope yeah. it doesn't happen. But that's it. Anyway, um, it was a great moment for Judge. Uh, again, uniting the team. Everybody was happy for him. Uh, everybody has nothing but good things to say about him. Um, and, uh, just most importantly, he capped off the greatest contract year in the history of sports. There's no, and there's no argument. Uh, I, I don't even know what the other contract years in sports are. Um, but there's never been one like this that has been as highly publicized and, uh, and tracked for the entirety of the year. Yeah. We, uh, knew it was a bet on yourself opportunity from, Hours before opening day, when everybody scrambled to get to the computers because they knew Brian Cashman was talking. And why would he be talking if he wasn't announcing an Aaron Judge deal? And, oh, my God, he's not announcing an Aaron Judge deal. Why is this happening? Uh, Why are we harshing the vibes of the season by cutting in pre-opening day just to say, hey, we failed? Or announcing the number to the general public so that everybody can know exactly how far short they are, which... You know, we've forgotten about a lot this season. That's not going to serve them well after the season ends either. Because as we hear these mealy-mouthed quotes about, like, he's going to have to play and, you know, it takes two to tango or or whatever, everyone's going to remember the Yankees were at, like, 217 or whatever. And everyone on earth knows they're going to have to go to 300. We don't know how high they're going to have to go. We don't know how 300-y it's going to get. We don't know 330, 350. I, I don't know. 
but it's obviously going to be 300 million. It's probably going to be 330, 340, might be 37, 38, 8. He's probably got to beat Garrett Cole in AAV, you'd think. Uh, all of this is too much to think about. There was a report this week saying the Giants are prepared to outbid the Yankees, which I would say bad because the Giants are really the only team that makes any sense from a narrative perspective. Like, all that stuff. Oh, the endorsements. He can't leave New York. Like, he could go home again. He could go take, you know, it also depends on how much there. If the deals were close, I think he chooses the Yankees. If the Giants outbid the Yankees significantly, I think he chooses the Giants. So that's something to take note of and take hold of. And so for a while this year was like, okay, well, one last ride with Aaron Judge. Let's not think about the offseason until it arrives. And that's that's made easier by the fact that this team is suddenly 49 and 16 and on pace for a record-setting number of wins and having the best season in league history. And then all of a sudden that breaks down. So then August, the thoughts get really dark. It's like, we can't win a game. We're blowing the division. Whether we blow the division or not, it doesn't really matter because the season's already not what we thought it was going to be. We are waiting for history and we're not getting it. So we're either going to limp into the playoffs or be out of the whole dance entirely. The judge stuff starts to get real. And then all of a sudden, he never stops hitting. The whole team is dead in August. He never stops carrying them. Even when they're losing games, he's homering twice in a three-game series. And then you get to September, and he's got 50 homers, and you start thinking to yourself, he's got a real chance to do this. Uh, Then he gets to history too quickly. He's at 59 before you even know it, and you're like, he's got an absurd amount of games left. There's no way he doesn't do this. Once he gets to 60, you're like, this is a wrap. Like, 59 to 60 felt like the hardest jump because it was like 59 Stanton's done that people have done that 60 is 60 it's ironclad but then of course he stumbles once he gets there I don't know if you agree I didn't think he was going to do 62 once he got 61 Uh, I thought he would be able to get to 61 and he was but once he got there it felt like all right the Orioles aren't going to give him anything to hit he's going on the road he needs a day off he's not playing both games at the double header I think we can count out 62 lo and behold he does play the second game of the double header header after playing the first and he finishes the job. Uh, So a beyond historic season from judge and something that we can always treasure no matter what the future holds. Uh, Do you think 62 makes it more likely that he stays? Cause I personally think it does by at least 10 percentage points. I think when he was destroying the American league, uh, just running roughshod with one of the best offensive seasons ever it was like, all right, man bet on himself. Man made Hal Steinbrenner embarrassed and rubbed his nose in it. Now that he hit 62, he's such a part of Yankees history and the fabric of this franchise that now it's not like Bonds leaving the Pirates for the Giants. It's like Maris leaving the Yankees after 61. Like, he he means so much to this team, and it would be an incredible swan song, sure, but he is ingrained in this franchise's history now. Yeah, and I think he values that to an extent, and it all comes down to the Yankees disrespecting him or not. I think that's the end of the story. I think Judge honors that type of thing. You just heard it with his words and discourse throughout this entire process with, um, you know, talking about the Maris family, uh, talking about the support from his teammates, talking about the uh, uh, the time and sacrifices his family made to make sure they were watching all of this. Um, uh honoring uh, all the past players who have, you know, come close to this achievement or, you know, have, have broken the achievement. So um, I think he, I think he values that. Um, But I also think he has 
uh, a lot of um, integrity and he's not going to stand for a low ball contract offer. Um, he took a risk. He turned down the $213.5 million extension um, and he delivered on his end of the bargain. Uh, so in Aaron Judge's world, that merits that merits a raise. That merits more money. Um, and he's not wrong. No player is wrong to request more money. Um, some might be a little bit delusional in their quest to get more money. Um, Aaron Judge, we don't know what his demands are. Uh, maybe a little bit delusional, but, I mean, you're playing for the richest franchise, one of the richest franchises in the entire world, so you kind of have the right to be a tad bit off your rocker when you're accepting uh, – well, or when you're looking for that next contract, your last contract, you know, Aaron Judge is entering his age 31 season next year. So this is his last and final giant con. It's his first and last giant contract he's going to get. Um, so I think that's the only factor at play here. I think that the Yankees should be the favorite to keep him. Um, and I think the only thing that's going to stop them is themselves. Uh, if they are trying to minimize financial risk to the, final decimal point, which is what sometimes this team does. And it's absolutely infuriating instead of just saying, you know what, here's 320 million. You've earned it. We'll see you in spring training. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but if they do anything that the twins and Marcus Stroman had decided to do these last two days, then consider mm -hmm. judge gone. Mm -hmm. Consider judge saying, suck it. I'm out. I'm going anywhere else. I'm going to have a great time somewhere else. Um, and what did the twins and Marcus Stroman do this week? Um, interesting. Thanks for asking. Uh, the mm -hmm. twins who, um, now I am fully accusing of, uh, benching Luis Arise. So yeah, we were trying to be cool. And now nice. we're not. Yeah. I asked it as a mere question in an article I wrote on yanksgoyard.com because fans were asking the question. They were saying, why is it You searched Luis Arise on Twitter. It was, why is Arise not in the lineup tonight? What's happening? Everybody was asking and wondering. It's like he's going for the bat. Why Why is he not playing? Um, and at that point, it was like, okay, why is he not playing? Oh, he suffered a hamstring issue on September 14th. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, funny thing about that is that while he didn't start the next day on September 15th, he was brought in the seventh inning of that game Ooh. to finish it out. And he got one at bat and he played three defensive innings. And then he played the next 10 consecutive games on this hamstring injury. Then when the team eliminated. With the team eliminated, team was already eliminated. And then on September 29th, uh, Arise got one day of rest in between the hamstring and September 29th. He got rest on September 25th. He rested a bunch against lefties this year because he bats 264 against lefties compared to fucking like 340 against righties. Some, some wild uh, disparity. Interesting. It wasn't until September 29th. And look, this is not my fault. I just went in and looked at the game logs and I lined up the schedule and this is what I found twins. So this is your fault for letting this happen. I didn't do any extensive investigative journalism to find this. September 29th was the day Aaron judge lost grip on the, on the batting title in the AL. Why did that happen? Well, funny, funny. You ask again, over judges final 13 games because he was barely seeing any pitches. Remember uh, between 61 and 62 home runs he saw less than 33% of strikes inside the zone. So less than one third of every pitch that he saw was inside the strike zone. Judge batted 216 over that stretch and walked 19 times. So A, the twins knew, everybody knew, that pitchers were going to be more selective in their approach to Judge and they were even going to pitch around him at times. The Orioles intentionally walked him in the eighth inning when they had nothing to play for. So there you go. Um, 
And on September 29th, when he lost grip, he lost the batting title because of the stretch. The Twins then proceeded to bench him four times until the final day of the regular season. Four times he sat out until the day of the re- un- and until the end of the regular season. Um, so then at that point, he returned to the lineup. He was in and out, in and out, rested two games in a row, back in. You, know, you look at the game logs yourself. I don't need to enumerate this for you. Returned on October 4th and had two games left to play. The only way he could have lost the batting title is if he went like 0 for 10 and Judge went like 5 for 10 or something. Um, and then at that point, they knew, A, Judge probably wasn't going to get five hits, and B, if he got home run number 62, he'd be sitting out, and Arise then definitely couldn't lose the batting title. So Judge hit number 62 on Tuesday. He got one more at bat. Aaron Boone pulled him. He got the rest day on Wednesday. Arise played on Tuesday night and Wednesday, secured the batting title because there was nothing to lose. And then after he does – so this wasn't even the issue, Right. Nobody, we questioned it. We looked at it. We're like, okay, this is weird. Then this is the issue. The second the game, the season ends, because yesterday was game 162 for everybody. The second the season ends, the Twins sent out a tweet and says, that says, all arise. Mm -hmm. And it's Luis Arise, picture of him capturing the AL batting title. So not only did you disingenuously not play him down the stretch, because you wanted him to secure the batting title and you wanted one accolade for an incredibly disappointing team that was supposed to make the fucking playoffs this year that fell short spectacularly. But you just proved to the world by trolling Aaron Judge, who made history and is the best player in baseball. So I don't know why you're trolling him or why you think that's funny. It was essentially just so you would rile us up and we would be doing a segment on our podcast about it. The second you did that, you made it clear that it was it was a screw job. It was the Montreal screw job. It was Vince McMahon screwing over Bret Hart. This is what it was. This is what happened. Um, And you're not going to convince me otherwise now because that was the proof. That was the proof that they had full intention to make that happen. I can't believe the number of Twins fans I've seen during this being like, hey, you know, anything to give Yankee fans another thing to cry about. Go arise. Let's go. Like, I hate the Red Sox. Hate them. Hate them. So much of my life is devoted to hating them. But you know what I hate about them when they win? And you know what I like about them when they lose? I don't give a shit if any of them have personal accolades. Like, I hate them more than anything in my life, right? I wake up hating them. I go to bed hating them. If Xander Bogarts has the chance to win the batting title, I'm not waking up every day being like, please, 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 please lose the batting title. Yes, he lost the batting title! I'm focused on end of season results. I don't give two shits about these like individual, like JD Martinez is two homers short for most. Yes. He didn't win the AL Homer championship. Like what a pathetic existence. And so many twins fans are doing like the best part of my year is watching Yankee fans squirm when they realize their precious Aaron judge isn't going to get the triple crown. Oh my God. Go to sleep. Take a lap. Enjoy the great lakes. Like, Spend your days doing anything else. But I really hope you are satisfied. I really hope you I really hope you woke up refreshed and ready for Minnesota Vikings Lions and for a long offseason of realizing that the twins plan isn't working and that they can't build a pitching staff and that the Bomba squad was supposed to last six years and it lasted 1.15 before falling apart. I, I really like 
And then Yankee fans, like, we don't have to care about the Twins. We've proven that repeatedly. You know, it doesn't matter to us the number of postseason series we've won over the Twins. And then Yankee fans have responded to these Twins fans going like, uh, you know, yippee, Luis Arise captured the batting title. And, and Yankee fans are like, you never, it's been 20 years. You haven't beaten us in a playoff series. And Twins fans are like, ooh, Yankee fans going to playoff success? Irrelevant and desperate. More, more relevant than anything. And not desperate, but in fact, very easy to just go, goodbye. <laughs> Flick him away. Marcus Stroman got flicked away very quickly by Matt Carpenter. I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter. Um, quickest ever. Yeah, quickest ever. Stroman, who uh, has been vocal in uh, criticism of the Yankees in the past, mostly because Brian Cashman said he wouldn't be a difference maker back at the 20, 2019 trade deadline. Yes. Um, the original was, Jordan Montgomery, someone who yeah. Cashman was just like, don't want him, not going to start in the playoffs. So yeah. Why bother? Stroman then proceeded to trash the Yankees pitching staff, said that everyone would, re- would regress and suck. Um, I guess he only has an argument there for Garrett Cole, kind of. Um, everybody else has been pretty good. Um, and then gets in, decides to insert himself into the Judge Otani MVP debate. Um, and um, obviously, what do you think he did? Yeah. What do you think he did? He sided yeah. with Shohei Otani, of course, um, because that's just what I guess people do. Um, he said there's, well, actually, I, I thought that was the original tweet. I don't have it. He said there's no wrong choice. There's no wrong choice. Thankful to witness these accomplishments while competing for both legends. But then, but then, why would you, why would you endorse Shohei Otani? Anyway, he endorsed Shohei Otani, and then, um, oh, sorry, he said it was an easy choice for MVP. Otani has 34 homers as a hitter, over 200 Ks as a pitcher. That is insane. Mythical God disguised as an MLB player. My easy choice for MVP. And then Matt Carpenter on Twitter. When was the last time Matt Carpenter tweeted? Did we actually look for that to see? It was like July. Happened? It was when he was player of the week. It was like yeah. July 18th. And he responded to that Stroman tweet with two puke faces mm-hmm. um, to show support for Judge. So um, I don't know why players have to get involved in this. Um, you don't have a choice for MVP. Um so it doesn't matter. Like fans getting involved did, in it, fandom. Yeah. If fandom they did, if they did, if players had it, it would obviously be Otani. Yeah, we 100%. know we know that. Yep. Um. So yeah, I mean, two two things. Twin the twin social media account. Did Carlos Correa get the fucking credentials for that? Did he tweet that out? Like that's the only thing that I can imagine. I don't know why the social media coordinator of the Twins would think that that would be a funny. I mean, it was a play. It was a pun. So you got to give it to them there. Um, I've been thinking about all all rise arise for years. I tweeted it yesterday. I tweeted it would be actually kind of, like in all the discussion about the Yankees falling to ninety nine and sixty two in the day when ninety nine hit sixty two. Yeah. I was like, also pretty weird that arise is going to beat all rise. And someone was like, why is it weird? And I was like, because they sound the same. And he was like, oh, good point. <laughs> Burn the trolls over to our side. Like it's been rattling around my brain for a long time. I just can't believe that's where the twin. Like again, the Minnesota Twins, small market. Like I got, I can brainstorm fifty tweets that are like positive. Congratulations, Luis! What an accomplishment! It's the Rod Carew AL batting title. Like a graphic with him and Rod Carew fist bumping. Yeah, that'd be cool. Taking hands, you know, Twins legacy carries again. <laughs> Twins fans are going to retweet whatever this is. But no, we had to go polarized. We had to go negative. We had to go all arise and rub it in the Yankees' faces. Yeah, I just – I don't I don't care. I just 
it's just annoying. It's just bothersome at this point. Um, I, yeah, I only care enough to do 15 minutes about it. No it's, longer. It's just cheap laughs, and cheap laughs have to be held accountable because it's just not – it's not good. It's not good. It does, And all it does is – all it's going to do is bring the worst Yankee fans into your life again. It's going to bring the 27 rings guy back into your mentions. Yeah. It's going to bring the Derek Jeter rules guy into your fucking nightmares. So just yeah. stop doing it. Jeter owns a rise plus ratio. It's true. Jeter clears. Jeter was uh, more titles than Luis, my man. Uh, that is it. Also, Twins fans, you have the, the 2006 MVP over Jeter. So why don't you just yeah. rest on your morals there? Uh, Justin Morneau. Uh, that's it, but that's it. Come on. Uh, we're headed into the postseason. Hopefully we have a roster for you on Monday. It'd be nice. Some start times, all that good stuff. The Bronx will be rocking on Tuesday. Again, the first home playoff game with people in the stadium since the Aaron Hicks home run off Justin Verlander. Literally, it has been that long. Um, so get to the ballpark, get your tickets. The prices are not that cheap, but it's because people want to go. So not shocking. Uh, we'll see you with more data, more details on Monday. Can't wait for that. Until next time, you can find us on every podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Drop <coughs> us reviews, drop us with mailbag questions. If you got them, we're happy to answer them. Things getting busy. Going to be doing some playoff live streams. Hopefully, that'll be fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. I'm there constantly. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of content there for you. A lot of postseason projections, talking points, things like that. Also some fun articles. We're getting uh, we're getting funny with it. Um, also, big thanks to John Yastrzemski. I don't know if we uh, mentioned that at the top um, no, no. for uh, talking with us this week. I talked about Judge 62, some playoff roster stuff. How about that? If you guys go to Apple Podcasts and listen to the audio version of this, you get 15 minutes with John Jastrzemski or the ringer. So how about yeah. that? So please enjoy. Um, and big thanks to him. He was, a, he was a great guest. And finger on the pulse of the Yankees. Guy knows every single thing about the Yankees you can imagine. He's just he's right there with the fans, and that's the kind of uh, – those are the kind of people we like to talk to. So uh, big thanks to him. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Now you can actually kick back up and relax. Regular season done. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Wild card weekend is going to be some fun. A lot of good matchups here. Um, and we'll get a good preview of who the Yankees are going to face. And we'll talk to you next on Monday. Yes, folks, watch all the baseball Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, hopefully, and get ready for Yankees baseball on Tuesday. Fully engaged. Let's go. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.